Hey, everybody, Saul Marquez here, and welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Brad Marsh on the podcast. He's the Executive Vice President of Informatics at First Health Advisory. He is a U.S. Army retiree with more than 20 years of service. His military career was split between two areas of concentration, but his decade in each helped him develop a unique perspective. Brad began his career as an air and missile defense officer, and he gained technical and tactical leadership capabilities in complex environments, including a deployment to Mosul, Iraq. He then returned to school to become a registered nurse in 2011 and transitioned to the Army Nurse Corps, caring for both Department of Defense and Veterans Affairs beneficiaries. In 2015, Brad was selected to attend the National Defense University and graduated with a master's in cyber leadership. Using his background in both medicine and technology, he became directly involved at the strategic, operational, and tactical levels for the DOD's modernized electronic health record deployment. His military career culminated as the Deputy Chief Medical Informatics Officer of the Federal EHR Modernization. Just an amazing person and a great in, a leader in healthcare. I want to welcome you to the podcast, Brad. Saul, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here, and I'm excited to dig into the experience you've had and some of the insights that we're going to share with the listeners today. So to kick things off, Brad, I'd love to hear why healthcare and you know what inspires your work in healthcare i started as an emt basic at the university of dayton they have a uh, student run ambulance service and they saw something in me and offered me a position and paid for me to become an EMT basic. That's when I got a taste of the life and really enjoyed it. Uh, I then continued while being an ROTC cadet and a full-time college student. I became a part-time firefighter and spent a lot of time taking care of people and really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, my time being a firefighter <laughs> superseded that of my education at times. And was I was given a, an assignment that was not in the medical field. As mm -hmm. you said, I was an air and missile defender, but I always kept coming back to medicine. I was a volunteer EMT out in Stellicum, Washington. And then as I was working at Ohio State University Army ROTC as a uh, instructor and admissions officer, I got a call from our brigade nurse counselor who said, hey, there's a, a job opportunity to become a nurse in the Army. And I could not pass that up. And so- That's it was, I became a med surge nurse. I learned palliative care. I learned medical surgical. The army selected me to become an ER nurse. And it was through all of this, I, I spent time really getting to take care of patients, critical thinking, working with the providers and the ancillary care, and just really seeing how it all came together. And, and that's what kept me in healthcare. The adventures of two MassCal events in my life pushed me into healthcare informatics. And that was really the uh, second Fort Hood shooting where we had to pass patients over to a civilian hospital and it took longer than it should have. And so mm -hmm. I absolutely had a drive to make sure it was right. And so I've really enjoyed being an active part of this and to help the DOD and VA both come together and advance healthcare. Well, that's, that's fantastic, Brad. I mean, the, your background is so interesting and varied. You know, we on the podcast, we're about to actually launch a 12 part series around the amazing role of nurses in innovation and leadership in healthcare. And I'm so glad that you're here. 
<laughs> another example, right, of how nurses are just crushing it in healthcare. You just did so much with, you know, what you had and you finished the, you know, your stint there at, in the military as the chief medical information officer. I mean, that's just fantastic. And so fast forward to today, your work at first. So, so talk to us about that and how first is adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. So, you know, as you pointed out, culminating as the deputy CMIO at the firm and being the Army's really only cyber nurse, a nurse with a cyber degree, you don't find many of those. I would sit in meetings and listen to how people talked about cybersecurity. And, you know, I would watch the clinicians glaze over as the cyber geeks would get doing their thing. And then when the clinicians were speaking and talking about patient safety, the cyber people would glaze over. <laughs> and, and I saw this over and over and over yeah. again. And it was through my relationship as a member of CHIME, the College for Healthcare Information Management Executives, that I, I met the company, First Health Advisory. The CEO, Carter Groom, and I became friends over time because I would always argue <laughs> And the argument was always because how are you incorporating the healthcare providers, the nurses, the people at the bedside? How are we really getting to that point with these medical devices? And he, he would always be interested in our conversations. And we'd sit and talk time and time again at, at multiple forums. And so when they offered me a job, it was a case of, we want you to help us get to those clinicians, to talk to them. First Health Advisory, I joke with Carter that my, our tagline should be see first, understand first, act decisively, of saying that we used to use in Iraq for my unit, mm -hmm. 1st Brigade, 25th Infantry. And it's first brings value because they can show you the connected assets. They can show you everything on your network. But more than that, they understand where the information is going. They can apply contextual information to it and then advise how to improve your cyber security posture without impacting your clinical posture. And so as the EVP of informatics, it's my job. I can understand the NIST security framework. I can understand special publication 800-53 provision 5. I can get involved. And as they recommend mitigations to the cybersecurity vulnerabilities or CVEs out there, I can then bring, this is going to impact healthcare thus and so. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring those people to the table. When we go into a healthcare facility, that's part of my job is to go out and grab those clinicians and bring them to the table to inform them of how this is going to go. Because the days of us being siloed into biomed and IT and clinicians, and neither the three shall speak, are over. As a nurse at the bedside, I am physically interacting with my bedside monitor, the vent, and the IV pump. These things are all drawing an IP address. They are all doing something. You cannot treat an IV pump like a programmable logic controller. You cannot just lock out certain functions because you could then jeopardize the safety of a patient. That's where having a nurse in the ability to discuss it with both the manufacturers and the clinicians and the cybersecurity professionals that's where we get a holistic view. And so at first, that's what we're providing is really that cybersecurity with clinical impact capability. Love it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it speaks to the understanding that you bring to the table as an informaticist, as a nurse, to the workflows, the nuances that could potentially be bad, you know, if interrupted. And on the other hand, you could be coming in with a cybersecurity only perspective and miss a lot of opportunities to just continue that care, providing that care in a good way. And so I love the the synopsis that you've given. I also love your your motto. Was it see first, understand first, act decisively? That's correct. I love it. I mean, I just love that. It just it's a great summary that can be applied to the day to day in Iraq, but also in in the front lines of care and protecting the organization. So, so talk to us a little bit about how you guys do what you do and how you do it differently in terms of an example. Well, a lot of what we do is there's a lot of an initial onboarding discussion where we talk with the client and mm-hmm. we have interviews, but the interviews are not just at that C-suite level. The interviews are full spectrum. And then we focus on areas that show vulnerability. We partner with a multitude of vendors to do inventory of the connected assets, and then we put logic behind it. A lot of people will come to you and sell you a device to listen. They'll charge you a bunch of money, you'll install it, and then they'll say, thank you, have a great day, and they'll walk away. First is that connected asset management over time. We come in and say, okay, we're not only going to put this in, but we're going to help you contextualize the information. We are going to then help you understand the impacts. And again, that's where I come in and we start to look at, okay, we're going to put this mitigation in clinically. What is the impact? So really it's that contextualization and really bringing you back Are we doing what is best commercially best practice? So are we following the NIST framework? If so, how are your controls mapping to that? What are your policies? How do they get actually implemented? It's a great thing. Anybody can write a policy. It can get stored on a SharePoint or a shared drive. And if nobody actually understands it, we fail. The attack surface area, everybody knows that's anything that draws an IP address can be attacked. Okay, fine. It's not your cybersecurity person that is going to be there when it starts to act funky, quote unquote. It's going to be a clinician. It is going to be a technician. It is going to be an end user that says, wait a minute, that doesn't look right. The other thing we do is we come in and we help educate. We are bringing the education to the endpoint so that the users are seeing this and they know when something doesn't look right, who you gonna call? And you're going to call somebody that can see, understand, and act. And that's what we provided. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, you've outlined a cookie cutter scenario, right? This is what happens every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's repeated time and time again. And as long as we start to empower our clinicians further out, we've, we extend our perimeter. I like to use the analogy. When we saw infection rates and realized that, it was due to hand washing. We just started teaching scrub in, scrub out. Did we teach them how to do their daily shower? Did we teach them how to use soap at home? No, because it was part of their culture. So now we added scrub in, scrub out. So it was adding to their already existing culture. If you look at cybersecurity, cybersecurity is not part of the at-home culture. It is not part of everybody's daily life. You'll talk to anybody on the street and they'll say, well, this company already has all my information anyway, so it doesn't matter. When we start to relate to the end users, 
how cybersecurity is important in their personal lives and how they build in to their personal cybersecurity posture. Now we can add on it when they come in the hospital. For the last, at least since 2009, cybersecurity was just a hindrance. It wasn't part of their culture. And so that's really, again, those engagements, finding out what is the average person's experience with cybersecurity. How do they take it? Is it more of a barrier or is it more a facilitator of their work? And then working through those relationships and the education sessions and the training and to really help the security program grow and mature over time. That's how we're going to make healthcare cybersecurity better for the entire industry. One only need to read the uh, Healthcare Industry Cybersecurity Task Force report to Congress that was published around about 2017. I helped contribute to that in a few chapters with the with the task force, and it was it's ubiquitous that there is a lack of understanding outside the hospital, and so we need to make sure that we spread that knowledge wide and far. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it, it's important that we partner, you know, with. Businesses like First that have seen what could go wrong and, and the, the opportunities to make things smooth and better as quickly as possible without compromising you know, operations, without compromising uh, clinical care, all these things are super important. And so do you, do you have any, any particular examples, Brad, that, that maybe you want to point to where you guys have, have improved outcomes or, or maybe business processes? Well, I can't go into specifics, obviously, because we do believe in confidentiality. We have seen time and again that the policies that are developed by the CISO usually stay in the CISO's realm, and they they aren't promulgated through the, the departments. Being able to create actionable use of those policies and procedures make it important to the end users. Outcomes are different for every client because every client has a little bit different situation. We have to be able to meet the client where they are at. It's so funny to me as a healthcare provider or a clinician is watching healthcare cybersecurity mature since really the big boom of meaningful use was to see that they just started getting these things and they didn't really secure them. And so they started securing them in their stovepipe. The biggest thing is this is healthcare. So treat it like a sick patient. Meet the patient where they're at. If a patient comes to me extremely obese with type 2 diabetes and multiple other things going on, I can't tell them to immediately achieve X, Y, and Z. They can't. They cannot lose the weight within a few days. That's, that's not safe. We cannot get them to lower their A1C unless we take the steps. We all have that vision of where we want to go. That's your, your, your strategic vision for your organization that you want to align to. Treat it like healthcare. Cybersecurity is the exact same way. We have a sick patient that we need to get better. The outcome, you base it on your strategic vision, and then how are you going to get there? That's your treatment plan. This is just healthcare, and our patient is our networks and our connected medical devices. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. With that approach, you do what you can to eliminate the threats and strengthen uh, the defenses of the system, all while preserving the, the workflow. What would you say is, is one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced, Brad, and, and a key learning that came out of it? Honestly, my setback would have been my, my own personal one. 
Okay. And that was not related to my job. I am blessed beyond belief to, to work for such an awesome company and to have had a 20-year career with the military. But it was that first degree. It was that learning of time management and really understanding I have to do the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. Yeah. And, and to balance my time out. I enjoyed being a firefighter. I enjoyed being an EMT and taking care of people and you know being where the action was happening. The biggest setback, I had many failures in that. And it did teach me to be resilient. And I keep going back to that resiliency. Every time I have I run into challenges in my career and everything else, it's okay. You pick yourself back up and you take a step in the right direction. And really, I've carried that forward into my career because, yes, if you have a hospital that gets breached, that is bad. And we need to make sure we take care of the patients and we need to make sure we take care of the data and, and we deal with the repercussions. But that does not mean it's the end of the road. That means it's a great learning opportunity. We need to pick up and we need to move forward. We're constantly learning. If you're not constantly learning, you have failed yourself in the future. It's a good message, you know, and, and it sounds like it's something that happened to you early on that made an impact and you've been able to, to build on that since. And so you're at this point now where you're making a big difference for, is it largely hospitals that you guys work with? Yes. Hospitals and other healthcare delivery organizations. Yeah. So hospitals, long-term care centers, nursing homes, et cetera, right? Uh So you're here now and you're making a difference for all these providers through their cybersecurity. You've got this super unique perspective with your nursing degree and you basically planted the seeds of the EHR at the VA along with your colleagues there. There's just a lot of rich knowledge that you have you know, and the backdrop of COVID happened and we've seen a lot of change. What are you most excited about? Honestly, COVID pushed everybody to their max Mm -hmm. and it has challenged healthcare systems. It has challenged IT systems. It's challenged people. I'm excited that we're moving forward and we're getting vaccinated. And really one of the proudest moments of my career was when Cerner was able to utilize something that was custom to the Department of Defense that was we developed before COVID and we had perfected the workflow was the mass vaccination module. And when COVID happened, the DOD participated just like every other customer in their COVID council. And I said, hey guys, we have this tool we've worked on for the past few years. I think it can work for COVID and it was utilized across the world. And really to see the work that the United States Department of Defense developed and paid for and and really collaborated with Cerner to be able to spread part of the solution to this, I was super proud of that and, and super excited to see it. But more importantly, I'm seeing more telehealth. I'm seeing more connected assets. And I'm seeing more people asking, at le- starting to at least ask, what's important? How do we get this to secure? How do we make sure we can take care of everybody as best we can, but do it in a safe and secure manner? And so honestly, I think right now, I'm excited for the opportunities that are come that are going to come out of the post-pandemic period. I think you're going to see something similar to the Renaissance in that we are going to utilize things in a different way than we ever thought possible. And so absolutely, I see it's coming and I see us being able to adapt and overcome just as we've done for the last year in a hellacious environment. Yeah, well said. Well said, Brad. There's a lot to be excited about in the virtual care environment and 
you know, with the increase in virtual care and digital health, there's an increase in need and also threat in cybersecurity. So there's never been a greater opportunity. And I would argue there's also never been as much of a great threat to increase those access points into, into the system. So consider your options carefully, folks, when you're making these moves. And it certainly does help to have uh, an organization such as FIRST with you know clinicians like Brad and their expertise in the workflows to help you through these things. I mean, there's you can't be expected to know everything. And so Brad, this has been fun. I've really enjoyed our time together. Why don't you leave us with a closing thought? What should we be thinking about as this podcast finishes? And then if anybody's interested in reaching out to you, what's the best way that they could reach out to you or the folks at the company? So parting thoughts. If you have a cardiac problem, you go to a cardiologist. If you have a lung problem, you go to a pulmonologist. If you have a cybersecurity problem, you should go to the cybersecurity experts, those that know the signs and the symptoms and the treatments to best take care of you. We do it in healthcare. Why not do it for your cybersecurity? And to get a hold of me, be Marsh at First Health Advisory or go to firsthealthadvisory.com. We have a web presence there and we have methods for you to communicate with all of our team and to reach out and find us. It's absolutely important and critical that you know how to take care of your situation and getting help is the first way. The last thing I would say also, Saul, run your virus checks, update it, make sure your systems are up to date, patched, even at home. You don't want your personal information being stolen you don't want to lose it to anybody else. So that's what I'd recommend. So love it, Brad, very practical advice. And we thank you for it. We thank you for your service and we thank you for, for the insights you've shared with us. Thanks so much for spending time with us today, Brad. Thank you, Saul. It's my honor to serve. <laughs>